telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. The Chamberlains, 0533-65. The Blakes, 0378-12. Hello again, Jonathan. Uh, my apologies, sir. Do I know you? You don't remember us. Oh, my sincerest apologies. This has been happening for quite some time. Though lately, things have been coming back to me. It is the work of the High Priestess, we think. Ah, why do you say that? Ravendown is thriving because of her and her charity. Uh, you do know that Ravendown is no more, don't you? I beg your pardon? The High Priestess and Alexander have destroyed it. You are all now stuck in this realm. Allegra is trying to keep you safe. Oh, the priestess says that Allegra is part of a rebellion. Alexander has been nothing but a boon for Ravendown. Is it getting hot out here? Get ready, friend. Looks like we have some company. It really is rising dramatically in temperature. We can't feel it. Quickly, come over here. Uh, Let's see, the Chamberlains, 0533-65. The Blakes, 0378-12. Necessary imprisonment for the rebels. God, it burns, please. Help me. Jonathan, you're on fire. Please, she said I would remain safe if I did exactly what she said. Not like this. This is it, friend. Please! It's it's fighting back! Focus your energy! We did it. But it destroyed Jonathan. Looks like he was helping the priestess. Quickly. We need to get to the church. She said her name was Spooky. Written by Heinrich von Wolfcastle. Narrated by Falconetti. (laughs) 
she slid a whiskey sour across the counter and landed the glass firmly in my hand. Touchdown. To your campaign, the bartender said with a sip of her own drink. Cheers. You ever run into any trouble, you know who to call. I returned as I lifted my drink with a smile. I threw back the last few sips and took in one last glance of the room. Some empty bar stools and a few frat boys fighting over which of them was going to roofie the blonde. A few years ago, I'd have played too. The door slammed itself in the wind as I bailed on the circle jerk that was about to happen behind me. It was the second scoreless night in a row in my new stomping grounds, and I was still acquainting myself with city life, I guess. I stepped out onto the street and was taken aback by the cool night air. The wind whipped a band of browned leaves at my shoes. Echoes of muffled conversation followed me. For as many people as there were in bars and restaurants for blocks, I somehow found myself alone and miserable by a string of parked cars. You can change cities, move from south to north, you can even go from rural to urban living. But it's like they say, wherever you go, there you are. It's funny how in the same way one song might remind you of another, one seemingly mundane thing can pluck you out of your world and drop you off in another. It's like time travel. Surviving something once isn't enough. You have to do it over and over again in your thoughts. For me, that empty street was the high school parking lot on prom night. Just the same, the empty bar stool next to me had been the lonely spot on the wall next to where I stood in the gym. Yeah, nights like these are all the same. A tease with their promise that they just might end differently. But then they go on to confront you with the ugly truth that you really have nothing to offer anyone. So I guess that's how I made college different. Brian the Brain was king of the nerds no more, and I had the list to prove it. My number of conquests was legendary, and if it hadn't been for that legal thing that happened, I'd still be taking names. I was starting down the block, simultaneously hailing a cab and fighting myself about going back to the bar to make a bid for the blonde. Lawyers be damned when my luck for the night changed. Psst, over here, she whispered from the alleyway. At first, I thought I was hearing things. It was just me and the parked cars without a her to be seen. Psst, she whispered again. I looked over my shoulder and caught a glimpse of her hand revealed by shadows. Her index finger urged me closer. Come here, she encouraged. Her long and slender fingers played imaginary strings in the air as they summoned me. The moon lit the night well and unveiled her as I moved closer. The reflected light contoured the corners of her face. Smooth skin hidden under long layers of multicolored hair and pigtails and dreadlocks. I was struck by the intensity in her eyes, which were made even more gripping by the eye shadow that surrounded them. Got a light? She asked, her lips pulled into a grin. 
I do, I replied, and pulled a matchbook from my pocket. I quit smoking years ago, but a smoker knows the value of hanging on to a spare book. A burst of flame pulled the shadows from her, the bouncing light making her look as if she were about to tell the punchline to a horror story at a campfire. She wore some kind of corset halter top thing that highlighted her arm sleeve tattoos. I could have sworn they were moving. They say that a full moon brings out the crazies, that it creates a gravitational pull that stirs up the oceans and all the water on the planet. If people are mostly made of water, then that includes us too. I can tell you, my insides were stirring. She brought a cigarette to her lips, and her eyes locked onto mine as I leaned forward to light it. Thanks, she said in her whisper. Her words were framed with some accent I couldn't place, and she had an air of being, well, not from here. Nice night? She asked. I nodded, hesitating before responding. Frankly and embarrassingly, I was jarred by her beauty and found myself a bit speechless. In a better part of the city, she could have been a world-famous model. She had the frame for it. But there was something tragic about her, too. Stepping into the alleyway with her was like standing in a mausoleum. Yeah, nice night, I conceded. And for you? I couldn't make sense of our meeting, of her being alone in an alley without someone to light her cigarette for her. Any second, I expected a couple of thugs to hit me across the back with a bat or to pull a gun on me. Hell, maybe she had already picked my pocket somehow. It felt like she picked my brain. Nice enough. She smiled, and I caught a different angle of her that showed a trail of mascara that had dripped with a tear. Or did she draw it that way? Those'll kill you, you know, I joked. Wouldn't that make you complicit? She replied with a smirk and took a drag. What's your name? I asked. They call me Spooky. <laughs> she laughed and lunged at me with a playful claw swipe. Her hand was covered by a fishnet glove and toy spiders dangling from stray threads. It was the first thing she said above a whisper and it came with a roar. Oh yeah? I jumped back with more of a startle response than I expected. Yeah. She laughed again and paused to look at me before dropping her cigarette to the ground. She crushed it under one boot and placed a piece of gum in her mouth. Just one drag? I asked. I only take what I need. She smiled again, this time with all of her teeth. We stood without words for a few brief seconds. It was like she was making some kind of assessment about me. I get it. You're a shy boy, yeah? A shy boy? I didn't like the sound of that. If there's one thing I learned between high school and college about picking up chicks, it's that you have to be aggressive. Shoot first ask questions later. Can I buy you a drink? I asked. She turned and started walking deeper into the alley. 
she was looking at me over her shoulder to see that I was following. I was. Whatever light the moon provided seemed to stay in the street. I could hardly see my feet in front of me, but I felt her hand reach back to touch mine. It was warm, and I swear it gave my stomach a feeling of falling that I haven't felt since. Well, maybe ever. Follow me, she said. I would have followed her anywhere. Let me tell you something. I don't believe in love. Now, that's not meant to be a secret confession or anything, but it's certainly not an experience I've had. If ever there were such a thing as love, though, it was being in her presence. I followed her into the alley and through the back door of some building that looked like it should have been condemned decades ago. Beer cans and fast food bags crumpled under our feet as we rounded a spiral staircase that led us down what felt like an infinitely deep well. Every few steps, discarded glow sticks burnt their last embers under our steps, her boots working perfectly in sync with my Italian leathers. Every now and again there was enough light to peek at her torn leggings that disappeared under a short skirt. Towards the end of our vertical tunnel, thunderous drum beats and electronic dance music pushed back at us. Finally, at the bottom, we were greeted by flashing green and purple strobe lights. A sea of dancers bounced ahead of us in stop motion. She looked back at me and mouthed something. It was impossible to hear, but there were dimples in her smile. She grabbed my hand again and weaved me through a crowd of dancers bobbing in rhythm to the music. She faced me with a smirk and closed her eyes to the tribal hammering that shook the room. With our hands linked, she carved a space on the dance floor just for us. I surveyed the room as she knitted her body in her own darkness, the flashing lights unable to define her. She was lost in the music, and I was lost in watching her lose herself. She held her arms in the air and swayed her hips, each swing tossing her hair and her threaded spiders like shadows. Songs faded into one another, and she moved like a snake to them all, coiling her way around me. I seemed frozen in space and time, breaking my gaze only to wonder if I was moving with her or if she was moving for both of us. She swam in the music, and I was her shore. It was the sensation of quenching a thirst I've had all of my lifetimes. One afternoon, when I was a little boy, I ruined the family room television when I set a bunch of magnetic toys on it. After an hour of yelling, my mom explained, Magnets change the path of electrons and alter the firing of photons, Brian. When you leave a magnet in a certain spot on a TV for too long, it magnetizes that spot and permanently distorts the color there. Dancing with her was like a magnet to the brain. Yellows, purples, and greens in all the wrong places. 
We walked down a maze of streets and alleyways with our hands clasped together. The moon seemed to set and fall and rise again, matching my own sensation of falling upside down inside. Sometimes I felt as if I were floating, her delicate hand being the only thing keeping me from drifting into the sky. Other times, I was walking and she was floating. I remembered my address well enough to guide us there. My eyes locked with hers, and we seemed to move down a river current towards home. Through dizzying vision, I saw the ceiling of my apartment, support beams, vents, painted metal sheeting. She straddled herself across me, rocking her body with her hips swinging the way they danced, like a hypnotist's violent pendulum. She arched her back, rolling her head and staring at the mirror locked above us. As her reflected glance met mine, she smiled her toothy grin and ran her hands across her naked body. They were covered in blood. I don't know how much time elapsed before I could open my eyes again. When I did, my bedroom's view of the city crept into focus. My lips quivered when I attempted to call her name. She was there, though. I could feel her presence in the sheets around me. In fact, I was moving, still rocking, but I could feel nothing. I was frozen, stuck inside my own body. My head was locked to the left to stare indefinitely at the skyline from my bed. I jerked my eyes to the right but could not find her. My head was pressed to my pillow and would not move. With all of my might, I turned my head, climbing millimeters that felt like miles to face the ceiling again. I shot my eyes open once more and found her in the shadows. A large ceiling fan cut the light into rhythmic flashes against her face. As she moved closer, her presence burned the magnet deeper into my brain, and my vision swirled. What's happening to me, Spooky? I choked. Her head moved next to mine, placing her breath in my ear. Shh. She whispered. A terrible calm followed. I awoke from dreams of suffocation, my eyes locked on the ceiling mirror again. Her body was no longer on mine, but a dark shape sat against the wall to my right. I heard shuffling as it made its way up the wall. Spooky? This time, there was silence. I turned my eyes towards her as much as I could and found a scaled creature with tentacles and an assortment of limbs pressed against the middle of the wall. She climbed towards the ceiling like a spider. Photons, Brian. She settled in the corner between the wall and ceiling, a nest of limbs and wings squirming in her silhouette. What are you doing to me? 
I mouthed without sound. A pressure welled up in my head, and I closed my eyes. When I awoke next, I was entirely immobile. Each breath I took was a conscious, labored movement in my chest. The room spun around me, and I knew she was close. I could smell myself on her in thick waves of iron. My eyes fluttered before opening, and in an instant she was upon me. She was covered in streaks of blood, every part of her as hideous as she was once beautiful. I attempted to move, but was restrained by the weight of her pressing against me, rocking again with that awful pendulum swing of her hips, her face pressed into mine with her mouth grinning against my cheek. Her texture was rough and hot. Under a wave of her humid breath, I turned my head and shut my eyes. A string of copper-flavored spit crept its way down my face, over my lips, and onto my neck. The magnet returned to my brain, and I felt like I was falling into a pit inside my own body. It was the sensation of being pulled out of myself. As I trembled in her clutches, she released something like a growl. I wished with all of my might to get up and run, but she was immovable. I groaned as I fell into unconsciousness. I awoke to the sensation of my right leg being fed to a wood chipper. I opened my eyes and saw that it was in her mouth, having chewed her way past my kneecap. Her lips rested on my thigh as she moved her head rhythmically, sawing away at it. Her jagged teeth were embedded into my flesh, mashing back and forth while her tongue whipped itself at the blood that poured from me. Unable to control myself, I prepared to scream. As I inhaled, she raced across my body and pressed her mouth to mine, sucking the air from my lungs. I had no scream to give. The sound I made was lost in the coagulated blood that had pooled in my throat from her kiss. I peeled my eyes open and broke the crusted seal of blood that crested over my eyelids. The room was crowded with more creatures like her, beings in leathered robes adorned with hooks and chains. Their faces were long and torn, straddling the line between beautiful and grotesque. My eyelids trembled as I struggled to find the strength to keep them open. I scanned my body in the ceiling mirror and saw that I was emaciated to near nothingness, having somehow lost my body mass over the course of the night. My ribs were skeletal and exposed, 
my skin translucent. And I watched the sporadic pump of my heart beat in my chest. My legs and arms were gone. Why? I mouthed to her without a sound. She spoke from the foot of the bed, and she was as beautiful as ever. Her hair was solidly black and arranged in a variety of buns and braids that seemed to stretch down to her waist. For every glance I stole to look directly at her, my eyes rolled back to the ceiling. We feed on souls, she explained. You encounter us all the time. Usually, you just feel a little tired, never quite knowing why. She spoke with a power in her voice that she never used before. But we are consuming you. I gurgled again, gagging on the blood that had collected in my throat. Behind her stood a towering dark figure. Light reflected off metal rings hanging from within his robes. His face was skinless and horrible. No two souls are created the same, she proceeded. When I met you, yours felt like one of ours. The dark figure behind her lowered himself to the foot of my bed as she continued. And I just had to taste it to see. My body sank into the mattress with the weight of his fists pressing down around me. Another figure approached from a crowd of others, this one floating well above the bed and draping me within its robes of leathered skin. Its face looked to be made of worms. I winced at the sight of it. But it was nothing like ours. It was weak, vapid. She stated with contempt in her voice. Yes, you feed off of others' souls too, but your soul is nothing to sustain a life, she went on. So I had to take your body too. We made eye contact one last time and she smiled amidst her look of disgust. I shut my eyes as the others approached from behind her, crowding over my bed and filling the room with the smell of my death. I still knew which body was hers amongst their masses, and in anticipation of the ultimate pain and nothingness that would follow, for one more brief and wonderful moment. I swam in her waves before drowning. You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. She said her name was Spooky, was written by Heinrich von Wolfcastle and was previously published in 2018 in his collection of short stories called Screams Before Dawn. Heinrich von Wolfcastle is an affiliate member of the Horror Writers Association and a member of the Great Lakes Association of Horror Writers. 
His work has appeared in multiple anthologies and magazines. Most recently, you can hear his stories Marvin's Tavern and Things in the Attic presented on the Scare You to Sleep podcast. Though he lives the life of a recluse, he's been known to emerge from the shadows for trick-or-treaters on Halloween night. To check out more of his work, head to heinrichvonwolfcastle.com. This episode was narrated by the one and only Falconetti. Jonathan Redston was performed by Falconetti. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. If you enjoyed the episode, please support us by leaving a review and a five-star rating as it helps us reach more people. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.